Welcome in to a bonus edition of the DNVR Broncos podcast, our sixth podcast of the week. My fourth? Third? I don't know. Uh, but basically last night I, I told these guys, I said, man, I've really missed the podcast the last couple of days. And, and if you guys uh, were curious where I've been, working on a something that should be really, really awesome. And it's a huge, huge project and just needed a couple of days to, uh, to just focus solely in on that. And if you, if you don't hear me on this podcast over the next few weeks at any point, you can just assume that, that it's that. And hopefully in the end, you'll say, wow, I'm glad Ryan took those days off uh, uh, from the podcast to work on that project. Anyways, I texted these guys and I was like, I really miss being on the podcast these last couple of days. Will you come in early and uh, do a bonus pod with me? And both of these guys obliged. So here we are. Zach, Mace, I missed you guys. Missed Welcome you back. too. <laughs> um, I can say this. Uh, having, you know, we, you guys do podcasts and we're all doing it together and I've done radio as well. When I'm not a part of a show, I feel like. It's FOMO. Yeah, it's the, the train has left the station without me, and I'm kind of waving back at the station. Hey, guys, wait up. <laughs> and then you go and listen to the conversation that you're, goes on without you, and you're like, well, I would have said this, and I right, would have said yeah, that, and yeah. I would have said that. So, RK, I completely feel you on this. You probably, I'm right there with you. You probably felt just like all of our listeners when we say something stupid that they disagree <laughs> with. They're yelling at, our, at, the, at, at their car, uh, not being able to do anything. Exactly. Well, and then I like, see the, the clips come out on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we do like a daily clip on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, man, these are so cool. I want my voice to be on them. <laughs> well, I actually had that feeling coming back from the Green Bay game because I was driving. Um, I had a long drive after the Packer game to get back to a major metropolitan airport. So I'm thundering through the Wisconsin countryside, and I'm listening to you guys do a great job on the post-game pod from uh, back in Denver. And yet I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, I, I got to make this point. I got to make this point. I got to make this point. And <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how that works. Yes. Um, as you guys know, these bonus podcasts are ad for you, which is pretty cool. And, and They're brought to you by... Ryan, Mace, and me. Yes, exactly. Well presented by us. Uh, and, and really, it's presented by thednvr.com. But I, I want to encourage you guys. I rarely do this at the beginning of the show. I want to encourage you guys to go onto iTunes and rate the podcast. Uh, it helps us out. It helps out our ranking, which happens to be really good. Uh, it helps out our overall rating. And uh, it would really, really mean a lot if you went into there and wrote a review. Um, you can, of course, just you know hit the hit the stars if you believe we're a five star podcast. Go ahead and do that. But uh, if not, keep that to yourself. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, you know, rate us what you think is fair. But there's uh, there's some haters in there, and the bigger we get, the more haters we get, and we need to use those who love us to drown them out. So it would be really cool if you guys went into iTunes uh, and left us a review and and uh, 
Yeah, if you love Zach's laugh, especially, comment say, on Ryan, that. I, I, I was going to say Ryan won't say it, but Ryan did say it. If you if you like me and uh, want to help my spirits out, go in there and defend the haters on me. I yeah. don't get the objection to your laugh, Zach, that I, some people have. I'm sorry. You got. I mean, you really got to hate life <laughs> yeah. to not like Zach's laugh. <laughs> like, if you're just miserable day in and day out, I can see why someone being so genuinely happy would get under your nerves. <laughs> Uh, but I personally live life to the fullest and, and Zach's laugh simply uh, enhances it. Is that what the Broncos have done? Just made everyone's life miserable right now? Oh man. It is a world of suck. They haven't gotten out of it yet. I guess like cheery, happy laughs just don't play well in a world of suck. (laughs) Um, but I wanted to ask you guys because at this point last year, the Broncos were two and two and it felt things felt okay you know like there were certainly some big problems case keenan was holding the ball way too long there's a lot of i guess they had just lost to the jets right he had been a touchdown or an interception in every single week yeah there were definitely some problems but but they felt things felt okay and vance joseph was the head coach of this team and, and joe woods was the defensive coordinator and bill musgrave was the offensive coordinator, and just saying those things out loud make my skin crawl. I think even by this point of the year, I mean, it was there were four games in, but after that Jets game in week five, I think you could accurately call them all beleaguered. Yeah, that that, it's probably not fair to say things are okay because after that Jets game is when I wrote that they were slow dancing in a burning room with Vance Joseph, like the problems weren't just going to fix themselves. Um, But they were two and two. Shout out John Mayer. Yes, mm-hmm. shout out to John Mayer, which is infinitely better than 0-4 by percentage, by winning percentage. And so I want to ask you guys this. Is this coaching staff worse for this team? Is this coaching staff have the wrong players? What is the problem? And, and do you believe that this is the right staff, or at least the bones of this staff? Like there's those, there's those shows on HGTV, Good Bones. Like, you don't have to demolish the whole house. You just got to rebuild some stuff around it. Is this coaching staff good bones? Yes, in general. Um, that said, I would not be surprised if there are some changes after the season. Um, think of it when Vance Joseph was there. Remember he had some holdovers that he kept that he left go of, let go of after one year, and it wouldn't at all shock me if Vic Fangio made a few changes after the season, particularly in regard to some holdovers, but I think the guts of this coaching staff are sound. I think uh, Mike Munchak, even though I know the holding penalties frustrate everybody early in the season, I think Mike Munchak is already starting to have an impact on the offensive line, clearly. Two pretty solid, uh, one solid game in a row. <laughs> one solid game in a row. <laughs> yeah. But I actually do get that feeling too. Like it, it feels like that Mike Munchek is helping this offensive line for sure. And there's no no one's going to argue that Mike Munchek is bad or a problem or not great. No one's going to argue that Vic Fangio isn't a good defensive mind. But here's the thing with this coaching staff is it's good until it isn't. You know, and and that happens pretty much overnight in terms of how the fan base views a coaching staff. When Vance Joseph was good, 
It was good when he was when new. They were three it, and one. It, it it was good. Yeah, that first year and then, undefeated in the preseason. But it wasn't good because of all the holdovers. I mean, on on the defensive side in particular, because you still had Bill Kolar and you still had Reggie Herring and Joe Woods. He had been the secondary coach on a Super Bowl team, so those guys knew what they were working with. But coaching staffs are good until they're not. Until everyone flips on them, and it seems to happen overnight. Of course. When a, when a new coach is going to be hired, pretty much everyone's only going to look at the positives and give them the benefit of the doubt until things go wrong, until things go really wrong, like back-to-back losing seasons for the first time in, in four decades. That's kind of going big-time wrong. Now, since it's four games in, it's hitting a rough patch right now, but Vic is still going to get the benefit of the doubt. Here's what I'll say. Maybe from us. I don't know if he's still getting the benefit of the doubt from the fans. I think fans are are caught up, are fed up with the bad side, body language, with the <laughs> sideline antics. Exactly because, look, did Gary Kubiak have bad body language on the sideline? No. No, and he was like, in he had like he literal had the, health he problems. Had the worst health. Yeah, John Fox, did he? No, people weren't pointing to that. Vance Joseph, did he? Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Vance kind of got the ball rolling, and Broncos fans kind of got turned on to hmm. Let's look at the coach on the co- uh, on the sidelines, and then Vic comes in here, 0 and 4, maybe even worse body language. I'll be than, honest, it's worse than, than than Vance Joseph, and so people don't like that. But but I don't think Vance just looked confused, like he's always squinting at something. See, that's why I think Vance was worse worse than Vic. I think uh, Van- Vance, we all recognize the shot of him. I think it was against the Patriots in 2017, with his mouth agape. Like, what happened here? And I think that's I what I think of, unfortunately, when I think of Vance Joseph, is I think of the guy who just had his mouth wide open and didn't know what the heck was going on. I don't get that sense from Vic Fangio. I, the only thing I see is he doesn't look comfortable uh, yeah, on I the mean, sideline. Vance never looked like he was, like, keeling over uh, in pain. And, like, to me, that sticks out m- more. Like, Van, I don't know. A coach can be, like, you know, calculating and kind of squinting their eyes. Like, when you're just bent over staring at the ground like you're about to heave, that looks worse to me. But anyways, I'll let you finish your point. So, well, well, two, two things. Rich Scangarello, I think he, he's taken positive steps yep. each week. So, I do think he's trending in the right direction. Am I here to say that he's going to be hired as a head coach after this season by someone? No, I don't think that. Do I think... Speaking of, uh, the Sean McVay's handsome friends, as I call them, <laughs> have yet to get a win along. Mm-hmm. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury's got a tie, but <laughs> every other handsome Sean McVay friend is winless. So is Cliff mm-hmm. doing better? Well, I mean, so are the Broncos doing the exact opposite. But Right. Yeah, uh, the only two coaches to have – no, sorry. Wait, what's the Packers record? Three and one. Three and one. Okay, so three wins, three wins from LaFleur, and then some other new coach has two wins. That would be Freddie Kitchens. So really what it, what it means is just new coaches have a hard time because they take over bad teams because a lot of those guys were friends of Sean McVay, but then you also had Vic Fangio, the complete opposite of a Sean McVay coach, and then you also have Brian Flores down in Miami, a defensive guy, and he's obviously in a dumpster fire right now. I, I'm worried for Brian, Brian Flores that he's going to be a sacrificial lamb. 
Mm. They brought him in to tank, and then they're just going to fire him. I, I I don't get that sense. And I, I think they're riding with him no matter what. I hope what. so, because it would be really unfair. It, I think the perception in Miami internally is that this is an expansion team. Right. I, I just I really hope so. I don't I don't think that he would be a sacrificial lamb because I think that they understand what they're dealing with. But let's say they identify a great offensive mind right, to, to come, come in with, in with the quarterback. Are, are exactly. you saying that so they, I could see that happening? Are you saying that they try to Suck. hire Lincoln Riley? What Why not? T- Why not? What about what? Dallas hiring Lincoln Riley? I think they're probably more inclined to go with Kellen Moore. I think oh, Jerry Jones true. has identified Jason Garrett 2.0, and it's right there on his sideline. Kellen Moore is the last left-handed quarterback to start a game in the NFL, but he is not the last lefty to throw a touchdown in the NFL. <laughs> Can anyone guess who is the last lefty to throw a touchdown? Do we consider Patrick Mahomes' left-handed pass? Well, if it was a touchdown, I would I would give you credit for that, but it wasn't. Okay, who? I, I'm blanking. Um, it was it was Des Bryant. He's the last person to throw a left-handed touchdown in the NFL. <laughs> wow. Anyways, um, w- what about? What if they like go and get Sark? Isn't that who uh, Alabama's offensive coordinator is right now? Was after okay. yeah, and don't forget uh, he failed as OC with the Falcons in who, the wake of of who is Kyle their Shanahan. offensive coordinator? Because he looks like him. He does. He does. I don't remember the name off the top of my head. That's crazy. I was watching the other day. I'm like, didn't he get fired? No, man. Did they bring him back? <laughs> he he fell big time. Yeah, he did. Well, he had some problems. But at, but no, like after that. Everyone thought he was going to become the next hot thing again, at least as an offensive mind, and he didn't. Whoever their offense coordinator is, is his twin. Because <laughs> I was like, wow, I can't believe Sark's back there. Anyway, sorry. Well, um, let's see here. I just think you're going to go. It is Sarkeesian. Oh. Is it? Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm not crazy. Thank God. I, I'm looking at him. I'm like, wait a minute. It was uh, Dan Enos was the guy who left. So Sark. Alabama. Came Sark to Alabama, came- got fired, I believe. Didn't, no, uh, he left. He left, he left for, for the Atlanta. NFL, right? I don't know. I could have sworn that he All came right, in he, as like an what offensive happened. specialist or he, something. Okay, he ran the Alabama offense before the national title game in January 2017. He replaced Lane Kiffin. Oh, it was Lane Kiffin who got... And then the Falcons hired him straight from Alabama. He never got fired Lane by Alabama. Kiffin got, Lane Kiffin got fired... In between the last game of the season and the national championship Right, game. and that's when Sark ran the offense. Okay, yeah. all right, all right, all right. A lot of big names just floating through there. Um, anyhow, all right, he, I was he's, like, in the, he's in the career rehab stage of his career. That's why he's with Alabama, because sometimes I'm, you can, as Lane Kiffin showed, you can go to Alabama and then get a head coaching job somewhere. I mean, it's not a great job. It's Florida Atlantic, but it is a head coaching job nonetheless. Yes, and he might – not to make light of it, but like actual rehab might be necessary for uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, anyways, what if they want someone from that Alabama who's like worked with uh, Tua, you know, come in and install the same offense that he throws 24 touchdowns and zero interceptions in? I don't think you need a, a, a coach in order to guide Tua. I think he, I think he's that good and anyone's going to be adapt to him. We'll see. Um how did we get here? Oh, coach! First year coaches <laughs> struggling. Okay, I still haven't given. Uh, we're still on the original question, which is: is, is this staff good bones? So I just gave credit to Rich Gangarello and trending in the right direction. 
with Vic, and, and here's how I've kind of viewed it in the back of my mind since he since really the season started. If Vance did something, if Vance did what Vic did, how would fans react? And unfortunately, I think there's a lot of things They'd that be fans... And, and maybe it's not fair because, of course, people were just so irate and furious at Vance with everything he did. He could, he could say anything, and fans would turn on him. So it's probably not the most fair way to judge, but... I'm trying to look at it as if, let's say this thing is a nightmare in two years and they, and they fire Vic. I think there, there's a lot of things that we're going to look back on and say, oh, yeah, I mean, fans would have been so pissed at that if, if, that hap- if Vic did that at the end of his tenure instead of the beginning, fans would be mad. Like, not going up in the booth. What's that about? The body language they're, they're already mad about. What about this leadership council that's only old guys when clearly you have good young leadership uh, that you need that, to move? That's the thing that bothers that me was, most, actually, about what's been going on here is the un, the internal unwillingness to listen to the young guys. And we saw we Shelby Harris's comment a couple weeks ago, kind of dismissing the notion that a second-year guy could provide leadership, like Philip Lindsay and that. I'm sorry. The young core is what's going to get you out of this mess. Yeah, it's funny. That was an innocuous comment from uh, Shelby Harris to just like three of us at the time. That's become like the theme of the season in my head. And for them to have this leadership council and not have a single young player, the whole team is built around these guys. Your your success and failure is 100% reliant on Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, and Philip Lindsay, and Dalton Reisner, and, and so on and so forth. To not have those guys yep. and represented, that drives me nuts. And Ryan, here, here's the thing. If you don't want to have a rookie, because let's say Vic established this leadership council before the beginning of the season. Let's say you don't want to have Dalton Reisner in there, Noah Fant. Specifically Dalton Reisner. Okay, I guess I understand. I still think it's wrong, but whatever. But then you leave out Phil. You leave out Bradley Chubb. Unbelievable. That's, that is wrong. No excuse at all. But then, not just that. Let, let's say for some reason you don't think those guys had enough experience with one year under their belt. Justin Simmons? Are you freaking kidding me? I mean, he may not be an all-star, an all-pro this year, but in terms of a leader, in terms of a, a heart of this team, in terms of a good guy that you want to get the vibe of, and also being young and being able to connect those old and young guys because he's not a rookie or a, or, or a second-year guy, what? I know, I know. It's unbelievable. And, and, and if Vance Joseph had done the same thing, yep. I mean, people would be losing their collective minds, yep. flipping mm-hmm. their lids. Yeah. And so here's where I'm at on this thing. I'm realizing that Vic Fangio meshes with a specific type of player. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get his guys in here. It's almost like a college rebuild where you have to give the coach a little bit of a leash because you say it's not his fault that they're here and in college it's obviously recruiting. Let him recruit his players that fit his system and come in and do this. I think we need to give Vic a little bit of time to do that because Von Miller might end up being part of this group, and I'm going to use him as the example here. He's not a Vic Fangio type of guy. I I don't think that those two mesh very well. And so Vic – needs a little bit of time to get his guys in here. Now, the people that are on that leadership council, there are a lot of them that I don't think fit what I'm talking about here. And so I'm not exactly sure how to explain that away. But I think we we need to give 
Vic a little bit of time. It's clear that these guys don't fit what he's trying to do. Maybe John had a little more um, control over what was going on than we than we initially thought. Like maybe Vic really did want Devin Bush, and they didn't go that. Or maybe Vic did want you know some third round linebacker, and they didn't go that way. But I don't think Shelby Harris fits what he needs in the middle. I don't think either of the linebackers fit what he needs from that from that unit. Well, and then the secondary I think would be a lot better off if they were healthy, but he's not getting that either. One thing about the linebackers, I think you can live with either Josie Jewell or Todd Davis, but not both. Right. And that's the thing. And Todd Davis. We da- knew that. But we, did. we did. But you also knew that you probably weren't going to check off all the items on the shopping list this offseason unless you did some different things. It's one of the reasons why I come back to the whole sign Fitzpatrick and then sign Quan Alexander for the same price of, as Joe Flacco. The I, linebacker thing's just so bizarre because it's not like Vic came out and said, we need a, a guard, we need a tackle, we need multiple quarterbacks, we need multiple defensive linemen. No, he said that about one position. We need multiple, multiple linemen to be competitive. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, was, and, he was prophetic. And you know what they did? They went out and got multiple inside linebackers as undrafted rookies. It, it's <laughs> Joe Deneen, you thought he might solve the problem? Oh, God. But I, yeah, they thought yeah. multiple Joes would solve problems. That, the way I think it's have. going to end up working is that either in free agency or the draft, they're going to get a sideline to sideline inside linebacker. And if it's free agency, obviously it's going to cost a lot of money. And then that inside linebacker will probably be paired with Josie Jewell next year. And Todd Davis, that contract, basically you can get $5 million and have $1 million in dead money. That contract screams uh, February or March. What will they ever release. do without their thug? <laughs> good thing there weren't inside, good inside linebackers out there available in free agency okay. or in the draft. This is where I'm just th- – th- there's conflicting ideas here. Because you got Joe Flacco with the idea of the defense is going to be dominant. We just need someone to guide the sails in the right direction. That's fine. I'm cool with that. But then you had the opportunity to give Vic a piece that would make his defense dominant or at least help him have a dominant defense, and you pass on that to bolster the offense. Now, I think uh, there's a chance that all of this could work out really, really well in the long term. I think that Noah Fant can end up being a really, really good uh, tight end. I think that Drew Locke could end up being a great quarterback. And obviously Dalton Reisner, who might have been a part of the equation either way, is already a beast. That, but that's the win later strategy. And I feel like there's conflicting ideas. I know John always says he always wants to win from now on, but you kind of have to pick. Are you winning now or are you winning on? So can I, can I take this a, a little bit in a different direction? Do we think, which is something I don't think we've talked about, do we think the Broncos thought a player was going to fall to 20 when they made that trade that didn't? That, that went from picks 11 to 19. Well, I think they were looking at offensive line as well. I mean, they were looking at Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College. So you For think example, that they, would be they the were guy. looking at Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State, who went to the Minnesota Vikings. They were looking hard at the offensive line. And if you get either one of those guys, you're talking about Dalton Reiser not being a Bronco. And see, to, to me, that makes a lot of sense because I don't think John wanted to draft a, a guard or a center at 10. But if he traded back and maybe got a third or a fourth in order to, to pick up his guy. Well, he definitely didn't want one at five last year when Quentin Nelson, yep. who I think the consensus it was that he was the best guard prospect probably 
of the 21st century going into the draft, and he has not disappointed. But the issue with Quentin Nelson was, Mm -hmm. okay, can a guard make that much of a difference in your overall success? And if you're picking in the top five, it has to be somebody that can basically transform what you do, or in the case of Bradley Chubb or an an elite edge rusher, can transform what the opponent does. So would you call Noah Fant... A panic pick? No, I mean he was on their list, but I think you know they. I think offensive line was definitely a possibility. I wouldn't say Noah Fant was a panic pick. They did like him, but, but I, you all, but, but you all, you always go into that situation not targeting one guy. If you trade back, you're you're saying we are comfortable with any one of three or four players here, and if one of them is there, we'll get them. A couple of guys weren't, but Noah Fant was. You. But you've been in a fantasy draft, and obviously it's not apples <laughs> to apples, where you're sitting there and you're like, don't pick this guy, don't pick this guy, don't pick this guy, don't pick this guy. And then they pick him right in front of you, and you're like, pound the table, and you're like, damn it. Do you and think that's what happened? And drop off. Right, to, and, to the next and you're guy like, okay, well, we know what right. the next move is, but we're, right. not, we're not in love with it. Right. Is that what happened here? I don't know. And here's the thing. Garrett Bradbury went 18, just two spots before. And what did the Broncos do in free agency with regards to their center position? They Kicked the can down the road and yep. said, we'll deal with this later. Yep, and uh, they knew they had Connor McGovern in their back pocket. If they wanted to make him a center, they felt probably okay about it. But, boy, that that is interesting because mm. – But Okay, so here's the overarching point. The next step down down this yep. path that I'm going towards. They like Noah Fan. I'm not saying they didn't like Noah Fan. And, again, I believe Noah Fan's going to be a good player. But I, I think there is a chance it was a bit of a, uh, all right, just go with Fant. The year before, I think a very similar thing happened in a different way. They, they admitted it. They told us. Yep. In none of our mocks did, did Bradley Chubb fall to five. Which we hope is a lie. Yeah, I, hope, I can't be. believe that you did multiple mocks and didn't have <laughs> one mock where Bradley Chubb was at five. But with it, that one mock where you had the Browns taking Denzel Ward because that appeared to be a possibility all along. But they said it. Yep. And mm-hmm. they've said they were they were freaking out when he, he when he fell. They couldn't believe it. They just couldn't pass it up. And to me, I'm like, man, in ten minutes or how long do you have on the clock in the first round? Ten. Ten. In ten minutes, did you have enough time to truly evaluate where you were at that position, what the future was? What you, what uh, what you already had in your back pocket, what you could do with a guy like Quentin Nelson. Did you have enough time to really think this through? Because that is the argument for Shaq Barrett. It's not this offseason. Once the Broncos drafted Bradley Chubb, it was essentially over there. And they didn't let him walk for peanuts. No, they did. Oh my season. God, I'm so sick of reading that. <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing peanuts with with Shaq Barrett. <laughs> I know, seriously. Um, that to me is where you can point and say, "Hmm, did they just? Was that a panic pick? It's a good panic because you ended up getting arguably, you know, uh, one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive player in the draft. But did you think it through enough? And would you be much better off right now?" with Josh Allen or um, Quentin Nelson or Jair Alexander and uh, whatever you got from trading back. So 
that to me is something that's really interesting. Have they been put in awkward positions here? And it ended up getting good players, but that, that weren't the best for the team at that time. And I want to get to another thing as it relates to Shaq Barrett. But quickly, I just want to tell you guys to check out everything we're doing at thednvr.com. Um, we are cranking Broncos content. And the Avalanche just began last night. They got their first win yep. before the Broncos did <laughs> for the second time in history. I was really excited. to Not excited. I thought I had a great stat that that was the first time in history. But I looked it up. It also happened in 1999. Ooh. So... Second well, time in history that that's happened. But if you, you if you want a team to get really excited about, holy cow, that team is about to be a beast. And there's another team that starts up, starts up in about a month, and I guarantee you we have the best coverage for it. Three weeks. I looked at that because I wanted to know how many chances the Broncos have to, to get a win before the Nuggets do. They start in three weeks, so the Broncos have three chances. So really quick, just, just since we're talking about this right now, what happens first? The Broncos get a win? The Nuggets get a win, or the Avs get a win on television. <laughs> oh, not well, that one. It was on television in Calgary. <laughs> and it was on television if you have, like, Prism TV or whatever it's called. Yeah, so. So you really think the Avs is last? Avs on I'm TV. I'm so confused with, uh, with what's well, going on Well, that means it that means it'd be a while before the Nuggets get a win on local TV as well. But I won't, I won't include the Nuggets on the TV part. Okay, yeah, I think, um, oh, God. I said this on Twitter last night because Harrison asked me what I think. I'm just going to go with the Broncos because it just se- it just seems like the, the coin has to land on tails. Um, I know hope is not a plan, but it, in this case, hope <laughs> is a it's plan for me. Plan. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just take the, they beat the Titans and, and uh, put that to bed. But anyways, best coverage. We got three guys on this beat. We got three guys on the Avs beat. We got three guys on that Nuggets beat. No one can compare to that, and and we got we have some great people uh, on all three beats. So subscribe to thednvr.com and roll with us because it's going to be fun. Okay. Well, and here's why I say the Broncos will get the win. Okay, going back through the history since 1960, the formation of the American Football League, when the Broncos were born, the AAF. Oh no, the <laughs> AFL. <laughs> nice. Teams that started 0-4 but had a point differential of minus 25 or better, the Broncos are minus 23, their winning percentage for the rest of the season was 469. So basically, if the Broncos are a typical 0-4 team with that sort of point differential, they'll win five or six games the rest of the way. So it'll be 5-11 or 6-10. Great. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday, Which is, and that's great. Exactly. I know. It's what you don't want. Love it. Oh. A, man, I have so many things that I wanted to get to. All these ideas uh. are popping into my head. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get to what I teased, though, before I t- started talking about ddnvr.com. The whole conversation around Shaq Barrett has been surrounding either letting him walk or the, the, the level-headed and not idiotic response is it starts with Bradley Chubb. I think I want to take it back further. Does the Shaq Barrett miss, as I'm going to call it, does that go all the way back to Shane Ray? Is that where they truly messed this up? Because Bradley Chubb's actually a good player. Shane Ray doesn't even have a job right now. And Shane Ray was was getting more snaps throughout the entirety of both of their time together on the Broncos than Shaq Barrett. Did they mess this thing up 
by drafting Shane Ray and because of his first-round status, giving him opportunities over Shaq Barrett? I'm going to go back and say the drafting of Shane Ray, no, you can't look at it through the prism of, of Shaq Barrett. Didn't Barrett play one game in 2014? It was on special teams. I don't, know, had, I don't know if he played any. Yeah, you had no clue what he was. And he was a practice squad guy for the, almost the entire season, and he was a practice squad guy in such demand league-wide that nobody tried to claim him. Right. I'm not saying they should have known that Shaq Barrett was the guy at the time, but they shouldn't have drafted Shane Ray, right? Well, they did no. win a Super Bowl. It's hard to uh, criticize things that happened before. And, and Shane Ray had an eight-sack season in 2016 before he injured his wrist in but 2017. But if you ask him. But he's a bust. <laughs> well, if they have an injury like that, I put him in a different category than bust. My whole thing is if you didn't sign them to the fifth-year option, they're a bust. That's just If you're doing the binary thing, that's fine. But the, the fact is the guy did hurt his wrist, has not been the same since that day. Should that? How? How does the wrist ruin you in that way you ever rush a passer without without a healthy wrist i mean you're wristing your forearm because you're extending out it's crucial you remember demarcus Ware when he hurt his forearm in 2016 he talked about how he couldn't get quite the same strength but shouldn't his eventually you that comes back and then you're good again depends how the treatment is gosh you would thought at least this year with baltimore he'd make the team yeah i the wrist isn't right that, that is one thing that I know about that. The, the right. wrist is so we'll not call, right. We'll give him an injury bust. Um, but Still, there was one thing about Shaq and Shane and why I thought Shaq should have been working his way in the rotation more often, or they should have worked him in, and it's because Shaq was always stronger at the point of attack against the run. Exactly. So Shane, was, to me, was more of a situational sub-package edge rusher but Shaq was the guy that you wanted starting and you wanted in on base downs. Okay, based on information we have now, and honestly we had back then as well, should the Broncos have punted on Shane Ray or, or at least moved Shane Ray into a situational pass role, pass rushing role, and made Shaq Barrett a starter, in turn finding out that Shaq Barrett was so good that they did not need to draft Bradley Chubb? Ryan, let me answer this question by talking about your favorite city of Fort Collins. As you know, I have some connections with some people up at CSU, and during that time where there was a debate between Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray, all these people at CSU just kept saying, Shaq Barrett's better, he should be playing more. And the whole time I'm covering the team and I'm saying, I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to argue that point. But just stop. Stop wasting your energy because Shane Ray is going to play. He's going to be the starter. He's going to get the reps. Whenever there's a question, he's going to get it. And uh, I was right. But here's the thing. That's wrong. That's wrong if, if as an organization, you're doing that. And I understand maybe that rookie year, um, and I know he wasn't started, but that rookie year, maybe you do give the bump to the first-round pick, uh, especially because Shaq had, what, he was a second-year guy. So you let the the rookie get his time blossom. But then after that, when they are both been in the league for a year, then you let the best player play, and the Broncos did not do that. And I think that is the overarching thing. They were never going to know – that Shaq Barrett was the guy before they drafted Shane Ray. But over time, shouldn't they have figured it out? And then Shaq Barrett would have never been – Shaq Barrett would have started in 2017. And, by the way, he did start in, in – 2015, remember, you had Shane and DeMarcus Ware both getting hurt. and then 2016, and it, yeah. DeMarcus was still on the team. But then they started Shane Ray in place of DeMarcus when DeMarcus was injured. And that that's year. when Shane Ray got hurt, correct? 
He got 17 season. He got hurt on the first practice of in the first practice of the 2017 season. Yes. Okay. So Shane Shane or Shaq Barrett actually started that season and was really good in 2015. No, 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 no. In 2017. 2017 when Shane got there. Yeah. And he was playing really well. Was he? He was, but they never fully committed to him. And even when Shane came back, he started taking his snaps away and never got a sack. I mean, Shaq had four sacks in 2017. He had five and a half in 2015 when he was filling in for DeMarcus Ware and also Shane Ray. I thought he had a better season in 2015 than 2017, quite frankly. Yeah, and so did (laughs) Shane Ray. I mean, everyone was feasting in 2015. I was going to say, how many sacks did Vaughn have in 2017? Ten. That was just ten sacks? But remember, that was a year where he wasn't working opposite Elvis Dumerville or DeMarcus Ware or Bradley Chubb. His best performances season long have always been when he had an elite or premier edge rusher on the opposite side, be it Elvis, DeMarcus, or Bradley Chubb. But that, that's kind of my argument for Shane for or for Shaq Barrett that season, not putting up crazy stat numbers. Is Von Miller didn't either. They were shutting everyone down. Yep. In the end, there were a lot of different missteps, I think, along the way that led to Shaq Barrett being a Buccaneer. And I think everyone can agree with the fact that if the Broncos would have leaned into uh, Shaq Barrett and drafted someone other than Bradley Chubb, they would be better off in this exact moment. This is easy to say, I mean, but the, the bottom line is that Shaq Barrett, he has more sacks in four games than he had in the previous three seasons combined. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Tampa Bay even saw this coming. I mean, they, no they, they liked him, but I'm sorry. They did not see best pass rusher in football through the first month of a season coming. No one did. And he probably wouldn't be doing this here. In fact, I think it, he'd probably have one sack right now if he was a Bronco. Yeah, uh, there's no way to say he would be. But in the end, you had a very good player or, or at least a good player. If you want to pump the brakes, you knew Shaq Barrett was a good player. And you kind of panic-picked with Bradley Chubb. And it's okay because you got a really good player, and I'm not saying that anything about that. He's going to be a cornerstone of the franchise for a long time. Or maybe they just picked the guy who was number one on their board regardless of positional need. And I think Bradley Chubb was – I don't think – I know Bradley Chubb was the number one guy on their board. And, and sometimes when it comes down to it, you just say – you hear all the time, trust the board, trust the board. And we talk about how mistakes happen when you don't trust the board, when you reach and pick for need. This team has made so many draft mistakes reaching to try to get a guy at a specific position. Here's an example where they just said, okay, the top guy on our board is there. We didn't expect him to be there. Let's get him. And we're sitting here shredding it. It's not that we're. What sitting, do we want? It's not. <laughs> it's not that I'm shredding it. It's not that I'm shredding it. It's just there. Sh- shouldn't there be more nuance when and when your job is to build a team than just you either draft for need or you draft the best player available? Can't you draft the best player available that fits into the future? Well, I think with Bradley Chubb, if you like him that much as they did, you're like, okay, we'll find a way to make this guy fit into our future. And it is a premium position. I mean, you're talking about the four foundational positions of the roster, quarterback, offensive tackle, particularly blindside protector, edge rusher, and corner. Well, here's one of those four foundational positions that's a guy that's available, the best in his draft class. All I'm saying is it's it's possible to draft the best player and get a great player and still have it not be the best pick for the team. Sure, sure. I, I agree. And it, let's 
Let's play hindsight GM really quick. We've been doing it for like 30 minutes. But actually put those pieces <laughs> put those pieces into place. Let's say the Broncos go Quentin Nelson last year with five. Let's say they keep Shaq Barrett this year. And let's say he's the player he is in Tampa Bay, but maybe not the numbers. You know, he, he's just as good, maybe without the numbers. He's your starting guy opposite Vaughn. And then this year, you get Devin Bush. What's this team's record right now? Because that's kind Who of... Who was the guy they got? Quentin Nelson? Quentin Nelson. And then it, also, the rest of this draft is, is, is how it is, except you don't have Drew Locke. So you have Dalton Reisner. So your inside's Quentin Nelson... Heck, if you want to do this, you can throw Matt Paradis in at center as well. Maybe Dalton Reisner is your center. Maybe. But what if Dalton mm-hmm. Reisner? Uh, okay, Dalton sure. Reisner is your right guard. Uh, well, Quinn Ron, Nelson is your left guard. I'm saying that you're trying to get one more season out of Ron Leary at guard. Maybe okay. Connor McGovern's not starting. Dalton Reisner is your center. <laughs> you have at right guard, you have Ron Leary. Left guard, you have Quentin Nelson. You have Devin Bush in the middle of that defense. And Joe Flacco. Everything else is the same. And Shaq Barrett. You got a big sucking sound at tight end though. That's the pro- that's part of the problem. How much has Noah Fant helped this year right now? I'm You're, not saying he hasn't. He scored a touchdown last week. They lost. They're better. They're better at tight end and but the again, with Noah Fant, that's a that's a two or three year out pick. That's what tight ends are. And that and I totally to, and I totally and got to get out of this <laughs> Okay, focus but, on the now and focus on the forget about the now. The now sucks. Focus but, on the now on. We'll then, figure that out. Well, we, then, well, then, yeah. well, then, Mace, then I'm not talking about Joe Flacco is the quarterback here if we're doing that. Right. Exactly. That's the thing is I totally agree with you that yeah. Noah Fant turns out to be a great player. But there's conflicting They're ideologies. trying to have their cake and eat it, too. Exactly. They're that's trying the, to have it all. You know, and they're not getting any you want cake. All the, yep. They're trying to have all the pasta and all the meatballs and Vic Fangio <laughs> parlance. No, sometimes you've got to have a salad right now. <laughs> And but no, they didn't it's want the salad. They ordered the porterhouse. <laughs> they wanted the porterhouse, and they they're getting delivered a salad. Well, the the other thing is, I mean, if we're talking about the 2018 draft, to me, the direction they should have gone, and if they were going in a different direction, would have been to trade up and get Sam Darnold, if they liked Sam Darnold as much as they apparently did. No, no question. Yes. I agree. You, you, you give you give uh, your fifth overall pick. You give this year's first to do it. Then you don't have no offense. That's okay. That's <laughs> you, and and actually, right now, well, who knows if Sam Darnold, maybe he doesn't get mono if he's here in Denver. Maybe yes, there's, there's not the women are more mono. savory here in Denver <laughs> than they are in New York. We don't have mono. I mean, we have plague-infested rodents out by Dick's Sporting Goods Park, but we don't have mono, I guess. I don't know. Is that real? Um, plague-infested? Yes, they, yeah, had, they had to cancel a fireworks show after a Rapids game. Oh, my god! They didn't want to stir up the plague-infested <laughs> prairie dogs. <laughs> What's worse, would you rather be around those or the tarantula migration down in the south? I'll take the plague. <laughs> I would do plague dogs. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> Where uh, is this tarantula this migration been, going It was in on? training camp, I think. It must have been pre-mace. There apparently is a migration of tarantulas <laughs> that is rolling through southern, Calif- Colorado. southern Colorado this year. Uh, oh, like God. That, tens <laughs> of thousands. <laughs> I mean, you guys. It's like I was planning a trip down there. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen Kingdom of the Spiders? No. And I never oh, will. I, I, what's that one? Um, I've seen some movie about spiders. I will never. Arachnophobia? No, it's like very That's unrealistic. Um, oh, S- man. Spiders on a plane? <laughs> oh, what's it called? I don't know. I'll keep wanting to call it like eight. Eight-legged freaks. Eight-legged freaks. <laughs> yeah. 
think that's what it's called. Yeah. Kingdom of the, Sh- of the Spiders stars William Shatner was a 1977 film. And basically, it's a, 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 a desert town in Arizona that ha- deals with a, has to deal with a, a, basically a spider migration gone mad. And if you're all familiar with the hammy acting of William Shatner in a schlock horror film, there's actually a YouTube video, the top 10 ridiculous Shatner moments in Kingdom of the Spiders that I'm watching right now. Wow. Uh, speaking of William Shatner, I think Zach just shat his pants <laughs> thinking about that. I don't, I don't even... When, when a spider comes on TV, I look away. Oh, my God. You're just like my girlfriend. She TV. does that with snakes. Are you so like you're that not a spider yeah. person. Yeah. Spiders and snakes. So if I showed you this, say, this scene of William Shatner having spiders... Know. Don't crawling do all don't over do him. <laughs> I don't. I don't like to see Zach squirm. It's, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not looking. <laughs> I am uh, interesting when it comes to these things. Mm. Spiders, not afraid of them at all. Okay. If there is a spider on me, I'll lose my <laughs> mind. So you're not. You're not holding the tarantula down at the. Oh no, I'm fine with that. Yeah, oh, I'm fine okay. with that. Okay. It's just if something surprises me, like if I feel it on my leg, I'm gonna freak the heck out. Um, the other thing. Snakes, I'm fascinated by snakes. Like, I love watching videos of snakes. Have you seen that uh, in Planet Earth where the the lizard is trying to escape the, like, millions of snakes that are chasing after it? Have you seen that? Yes. Uh, It's incredible. (laughs) But, like, if somehow a snake slithered in here right now, I'd probably jump up on the table. (laughs) I'd push you down to make room for myself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Anyways, that actually ended up being a decent transition for us. to hop into the questions here there are a few you guys obviously didn't know we were doing this podcast and that's some of the fun of all of it um but it it made for very few comments but we'll get through them so um you guys got lucky first one here comes in from djc15 says no broncos related comment today just wanted to wish y'all an amazing weekend and can we please sign claude lemieux out of retirement for our next game against calgary so he can take care of lucic Dude was a pathetic piece of crap. Yeah, that honestly was. And the fact, uh, did you guys, were you able to catch it? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Z plays an amazing hit. Like, it was a hard hit, and the dude kind of threw himself into the boards completely clean. Then Lucic, I think is the way to pronounce it, comes over and punches him in the face three times. Yep. While, uh, while Big Z is just looking at the ref as, th- as if to say, like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. Look at him. He's punching me in the yeah. face. Finally, he gets, like, a clean shot right to his jaw. And so to protect himself, he just puts his head under the dude's arm so he can't punch him anymore. Somehow he gets a five-minute major. Well, see, I, I, was, I wasn't able to watch the game because of, well, you know what's going on. But I did see the clip well, put out by Dion VR Avalanche, and I didn't understand <laughs> it at all. How did that happen? I mean, how did he just it, the the refs retroactively punished him for the hit that they oh, weren't going to call in the first place? Yeah, that gotcha. seems fair. Right. They the, they never raised their hand on the hit. But then, of course, the play stops because because uh, Zadorovs is getting his beat face in. beat in. <laughs> and then they're like, well, if he was that mad about it, it must have been a, right. You know, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, love to get a little abs talk on here. <laughs> From Count Flacula. Oh, wait. Uh, I'm reading the Count yes, Flacula. Yes, we're giving that now. to uh, <laughs> okay. Tony Walters over yeah. here. Gents, I had the pleasure of seeing Melvin Gordon play in college. I, I went you to, did, too. Yes, I did. On Wisconsin, baby. I went to a game at Iowa where the Hawks contained him, and he still went for around 200 yards. He was one of the most electric players I've ever seen in person, the other being Teddy Bruschi. 
It seems like it's been a long time since our Broncos have had someone like that, Phil has it to some degree, who could just absolutely scorch the opposition. Who do we need to seek in this draft that can be our next electric player? Love the count. Well, they're not drafting running back high unless there's a wave of injuries at the position, but if you're talking about that same kind of electricity, Jonathan Taylor. They don't need a running back. No, they don't. They don't. No, especially in the first round. They, I don't, and I don't think he's going to be a Bronco. He's going to be somewhere else, but he's Saquon 2.0. Will and he the thing go? About, and, and the, the he thi- is not Saquon when, 2.0. When will he go? He'll go, even, at, even as a running back, he'll go 14th at the latest. If here's you, the, here's if, the, but no, you just watch him. I mean, obviously, he's behind a good offensive line. We That's know that. That's exactly what I was going to say. You but love the – No, 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 no. Watch <laughs> him in the open field. Watch him against Michigan on a 72-yard touchdown run that's going opposite of the flow of the line. Watch him run away from the corners. There's a reason that Wisconsin running backs rarely right. succeed in the NFL. It's because life is way too easy for them in college. But he's got the, he's got the breakaway speed that some of those Wisconsin running backs like Monte Ball didn't quite have. He's I'll, different. I'll Jonathan, give you and, – And they're getting him the ball in space. He's becoming a good pass catcher. That's making him a complete back. I'm just – I know that Bronco fans that are, were burned by Monte Ball may roll their eyes. Jonathan Taylor is different. Will he be a Bronco? No, because running back is the last thing this team needs, and it's got so many holes that you can't that you can't or shouldn't focus on that. But I'll tell you what my fear from the Broncos' perspective is: that the Chiefs move up and get Jonathan Taylor. That scares the crap out of me. It doesn't scare me any more than what they already have. Like they, it, here's what could I, you here's admit, just what I'm going to say. Yeah. I will give you Jonathan Taylor uh, could be a very good NFL back. He's not the next Saquon. Okay, so I have a question for you. Let's say he, it, you know right now he's going to be at least as good as Saquon, and the Broncos are, where do we think they're picking? Six right now? Just how it's right, now, right now, sixth. They're, right now it's six? Okay, so they're at six. And let's say, let's say I told you his rookie season he was going to have 1,300 yards, uh, rushing 11 touchdowns on a five yards per carry average, 91 catches, 720 yards, and he was only going to get better off that. Would you draft him? Nope. Not necessarily because how much better is that than you're getting from the Phil Royce combination? I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him either. Because it's you're significantly talking about, better, but you still right. just can't. But you're talking yeah. about val- how much value added do you get when you're already pretty good at running back compared to looking all over the roster and seeing hole, 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 hole. It's like a piece of Swiss cheese right now is this roster. I agree. So, Count, we just told him that we would never touch a running back in the first round. So, electrifying players in the first round outside of running back. Are, are there So many. Is there one that you would touch, though? And I know there's one that you definitely would. <laughs> but, like, for the Broncos, is there one? Because there was a mock draft that came out sometime this week because it was a, an October mock draft and it had the Broncos taking a wide receiver in the first round. From Alabama. At six. Yeah, first of all. Not even the best one from Alabama. Yep. Yeah. Arguably. But it was interesting that I thought, when I read that, I thought, this guy has no clue about John Elway's drafts. <laughs> <laughs> if he has him taking an Alabama guy in round one. Yep. It, yeah, they had him take, and uh, yeah. They had him taking rugs, right? Rugs, not yep. Judy. Look, I there is so much electricity in this next draft. It's absurd. Like, the uh, most of the first round might end up being quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. 
that's how electric that's how electric this is at the skill positions. Um, Judy electric, Laviska electric, uh, Henry Ruggs electric. You go down the list. There are so many guys. What about Isaiah Simmons from Clemson? But he's on the defensive side. He's electric. But <sighs> he can go. He, he can go everywhere. You need. I, I I don't know if skill positions, especially on offense, is really this team's problem now. You need vertical. You need one vertical speed guy from wide receiver because you're but, probably losing Emmanuel Sanders. But you probably can't afford to do that in the first round. What well, about that's this? why you should have taken Terry freaking McLaurin in round three yes. last year. Yes, you should. Have. <laughs> sorry, I was sorry. talking about this in the uh, the office the other day. We're not undefeated on players uh, we didn't like from the Senior Bowl, but I think we are undefeated on players that, we, players did that like. we did like. Yep, I completely agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drew Locke is really going to test that theory. Yep, and Mace fits right in. You pretty much liked everyone we did. That's true. Who's the d- uh, great minds and fools? Right? It's not like it's not like we were sitting there watching practice together because I was yep. up in the press box doing doing radio, and you guys were you guys right by the field. Yeah, we were on the field. Yeah, because usually if I'm not doing a live show, I tend to watch it from up top. That's kind of an old habit from Ted Sunquist, the Broncos GM. He would kind of sit up high and get kind of a, a bird's eye view, and I still tend to go for that. I, uh, I, in those situations, I really like to be down on the field because you can feel uh, like the electricity of a certain player. Like That's how I knew Terry McLaurin was so legit because you, you're right there. You're like, oh, my God, they have no chance of sticking with this guy step for step. But of course, I mean, I, I I can just think back to past Senior Bowls and Shrine games. I had, you know, I felt it with Phil at the Shrine oh, back yeah. in 2018, and I I I'll, I'll never forget the first day watching him. And I said I, I saw him at CU, but I didn't realize he was so fearless. Oh my god! Because every other running back was tiptoeing between the tackles, and Phil was just slamming up there, full speed, it reminds, no fear. It reminds me of um, a story that Steve Atwater told me. He was at the Shrine Game. He got MVP of the Shrine Game. Yep. Uh, when He's he, a Shrine Game Hall of Famer. So don't, even though <laughs> Steve Atwater isn't a pro football Hall of Famer, as I remind him, he is in the Southwest Conference Hall of Fame, the Arkansas Hall of Fame, the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame because he is from there, Lutheran North High School, and, of course, the Shrine Game Hall and of Fame. And, of course, the DNVR Hall of Fame. Yes, and the Human Hall of Fame. Um, he told me he got to the Shrine Game, and they were practicing, and guys were just, like, running up, and when they went to go tackle a guy, they would kind of just run by him and kind of put an arm out. And he was like – no, 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 that is not how we're doing this. He, like, called the whole defense around and was like, when someone comes through that hole, you thud them up, and then you let them go. You don't have to crush them, but none of this running by crap. And he said, you know, he said, in hindsight, I think the coaches really liked that. I think so, too. Anyways, uh, that, that reminds me of what you're saying about Phil, like him just trying to run through guys in practice. Yeah, you knew. He was different. All right, you want to get this next one, Zach? From Bumpy Buffalo? He says, okay, sorry for the long one here, but play Brandon Allen. Oh, my God. Stats. Flacco is on track for 4,300 yards, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and 67% completion for a 90.4 passer rating. That would be third best rating of his career, second best season for yards, and fifth best for touchdown to interception ratio. Take out garbage time, strictly garbage time, and pro rate for the season, it shakes out to 3,400 yards, eight touchdowns, eight interceptions with 63% completion and a rating of 80.03. There's a, mm. Worst touchdown to interception ratio, tied worst with his rookie year in pass rating, and fifth worst season for yards, including rookie year and last year after being benched. So really could be third worst. 
These are approximate projections based on my math, which very well could be flawed in some areas. Okay, all right. My point being, everyone is saying statistically this is a great year for Flacco. Well, true technically, but garbage time is no fun to watch, especially when there is zero excitement or even real hustle from your quarterback. Joe Cool needs to cool it on the bench. I never had an issue with him. I just think as a fan base organization and as a state, we are very emotional when it comes to this team. And even just someone who will celebrate a touchdown with their teammates, I sorely miss. Noah Fant jumped on the rails and screamed in the embrace for the fans for his first career touchdown. Flacco moseys over, waits for everyone else to celebrate, and then slowly jogs to the sideline. Joe Cool is fine sometimes, but all that time just bums me out. Sorry sorry about being long-winded, but if they lose this week, then in week six, Empower Field better be all about the alien nation waiting for Locktober to begin. The alien nation no, or the, the alien, alien nation. nation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, uh, don't get your happen. hopes up there. But here's oh. what I will say. I, I don't know what you're calling garbage time. The only game that's truly had true garbage time is the Packers game. The, the Raiders, Raiders game was Raiders game was garbage time. Uh, 24-9. Oakland was playing back in the fourth quarter. That's garbage time. I, I'll will say this. What's interesting on his no huddle. almost came back. On Joe Flacco's no huddle snaps, even though he has a low yards per attempt because he has a couple of touchdowns. His rating on no huddle snaps is 110.0. On snaps with a huddle, it's 80.5. One good thing about that is Broncos can't play no huddle all the time, as we found out yesterday from Rich Scangarello. So enjoy the 80. Did he essentially say they're not in good enough shape yep. to yeah. go all the time? It's <laughs> not in like good Oregon enough shape and, and not deep used, enough. Used, at least used to. Not deep enough. I, mean, I think that's the big thing. Like He talked yeah. about how they only have four wide receivers up, so it's obviously some limitations there, but he also – kind of mention the defense and I think really in in the story I wrote on the dmvr.com that's my sense of it is that with this defense struggling and now taking the personnel hit with Bradley Chubb being out for the year can you really afford to go no, no huddle more than just a bit here and a bit there okay uh, I missed one here at the very beginning because I was sorting them wrong my bad uh, and it's from love thunder down under he says okay Wait, really quick um, Virginia Beach Bronco chimed in uh, oh, yeah. along those same topics. He said, or, or it said also, I appreciate this. Oh, I, I feel like you and I are the lone voices in wilderness, Bumpy Buffalo. Also, I appreciate the statistics work. My question to the DNVR team is this. Is there any level of play from Flacco on Sunday that would get you to recommend his benching? Nope. What about three interceptions and zero touchdowns? 47 interceptions, zero touchdowns. I agree. It would have to be Nathan Peterman bad. Well, that would be the five bad. In the first half. <laughs> uh, I, I, it's just not happening. They're I'm not sorry. doing it. Yeah. It's not happening. I mean, I want to see Drew Locke in there if this season continues to go off the rails, but that's not well, yeah, an option right now. Count it down. Week nine. <laughs> Week nine. And I actually, um, we're doing a, a series of videos at DNVR called Explainers. Just quick stuff that just helps you understand something that's maybe a little nuanced. I've got an explainer coming out on the Drew Lock IR situation, mm. so look out for that. Um, okay, going back to Love Thunder Down Under, who I rudely skipped. Okay, now it's just getting silly. These roughing, roughing the passing calls, are, roughing the passer calls, are destroying the game. That was a ridiculous call on Clay Matthews, and if that's the law, change it. I understand there's a theory around protecting quarterbacks and stopping them from being targeted because franchises and fans don't want their top tier talent bloodied and bruised. But this has stopped being fun at this point. These calls are determining games far, far more regularly than they should. Also, go Avs. Dear God, can't believe they won a game before the Broncos did. And at the rate they are scoring, I think they'd even put up more points than the Broncos. <laughs> Thank God for hockey and all praise Miko. Big moose, baby. Um, okay. They're roughing the pass. The one on Clay Matthews, 
was simply just not roughing the passer by the rule of the law. I turned the game on literally right after it happened, so didn't get to see the full thing. Explain to me. Russell Wilson throws the ball. Clay Matthews puts his shoulder pad into his chest and knocks him on his back simultaneously. As he's throwing the ball. As he's throwing the ball. From outside of the pocket, mind you. Did he lower his head? Did Clay Matthews, Matthews lower his head? I guess, but he didn't hit his head or... It was just purely the shoulder pad? I mean, you can go back and watch it. Do you agree, Mace? It was a terrible call. Okay. Absolutely terrible like, call. Like, the one on Bradley Chubb, I assume they called the body weight thing, which was BS because he got shoved on there, but at least there was, there was a rule violated. It was their own fault. But anyways, the Von Miller one, he hit him in the face. You can't do that. This one just wasn't roughing the passer, in my opinion. And it is a bummer, and especially when you get late in games, it it sucks. But here's how you have to coach it, honestly, is you have to coach it now where you're okay if a quarterback's going to get away with a sack or get away from a sack because you're afraid of just too many of these penalties. You, You really can't touch the quarterback anymore unless you hit him in the exact right spot, you don't hit him too hard, and you do it before they get rid of the ball. Yeah, I think the the coaching should be um, when you see them loading up to pass, try to knock it down. That's the only thing you right. can do. Yep. You got to give up. And I guess that's what Von Miller was trying to do, and then his hand <laughs> fell into his <laughs> <Yeah>. face. <laughs> and last one coming in from Sir James Radio. He says, I'll keep it short today. For everyone, what made you a Broncos fan? Elway? Born into it? All the success? For me, I just love the old horsey in the classic D logo. Then the success in the 90s happened, and I was hooked. Thanks for the great work you guys always do. Gentlemen, because I, I didn't grow up around here, and I admit I'm a Bucks fan more than a Bronco fan, so this is for you two. The same thing for both of us. Born into it. Yep. Born and bred. And I, I don't believe in being fans of teams that are outside of where you were born. Really? Mm. So you're saying I shouldn't be a Bucks fan because I moved to Tampa when I was 11. Where were you born? Richmond, Virginia. So you would be a Redskins fan? Yes, but I also but let me say and I did pull for Washington when I was younger. And even after I moved to Tampa, kind of, you know, pulled for both. I would say this. If we I think, here's what go, go ahead and here's I'll. how times have changed. In nineteen eighty seven my family moves to Florida. So all of a sudden you go from being able to watch every Washington game to being able to see maybe four or five when they were on in primetime or on late Sunday afternoon, whatever. But if we had moved 10 years later, then it would have been very easy to just get a direct TV dish and then with the internet you could read every newspaper, everything. So I think technology has allowed people to maintain their loyalties, but... When we moved to Florida, that was kind of on the end of the time where when you moved from one market to another, you kind of started following the new team that was right there just because you saw them every game, every week, whereas you couldn't see the team from the market that you left behind. And now we're in an age where, I mean, you can read dnvr.com content all over the world. So you leave Denver, no problem. You read the dnvr.com, you read the athletic, 
You can watch. You can you can watch clips on DenverBroncos.com, NFL.com. You can go if you want to do it at home. You can get a Direct TV dish. If you want to go to a bar, you can easily go to a bar and watch a game. You don't have to give up your loyalty because you move. That's Tot- the time we're in right now. Totally agree with everything you said there. Um, I get. I guess the there's a, a few exceptions. The way I I mean this is when I have a child. If for some reason they just said like, I like the Buccaneers, I would just say like, no, you don't. You like the Broncos. I'm sorry. That's just your. This is the rule. You want to live in this house, you have to like the hometown teams. But I mean, we know from this podcast how many people have picked up the Broncos in very different ways, especially the people across the pond who they don't have a local team. Obviously, you know, it's you, who you like. I mean, sometimes it can be as simple as. You know, oh, I like their the colors of the team. There's, there was one guy that I'm familiar with down in Tampa. He literally picked up the Bucks because he was watching an NFL game on TV in 1982. It was Monday Night Football, and the Bucks beat the Dolphins, and he thought, oh, they must be good. I'll pick them. <laughs> that poor, Oops. you know what? Um, no, I total, I totally get. There's a lot of reasons, and as long as you are loyal to the team. That's all that really matters to me mm-hmm. is like if you've picked up the Broncos because you're watching Monday Night Football in 1983 and you thought it was really cool, then you've been the fan this long. There's no one can judge you about how you became a fan. I just if I had the chance to control it at the heart of it, which is mm-hmm. like my child, <laughs> I would just say like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You were born in Colorado. You like the Colorado. Teams. So, Ryan Jr., we know where you're going to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be that that parent, but you will. Be. But I'll just do my job, <laughs> right, to well, influence them, so I don't even have to worry about it. What will happen if the next generation of Koenigsberg or Koenigsbergs decides I want to go to CSU? They have a better major in something I'm studying. Yeah, I mean, than if they want to CU. become a vet, wow. like I can't stop them. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to tell them they can't go to CSU. I might will encourage you? them to like. You should check out Florida State's <laughs> veterinary school. I think it's better. But it's out of state. It's more expensive if you're living in Colorado. I'll, Remember I'll, that. I'll bite that bullet. You, you said you, w- you wouldn't stop them from doing but would you talk to them after? Yeah, yes. Um, I've always thought, like, what if my kid was, like, a five-star recruit and he just didn't go to see you? See, like, my daughter's a Rockies fan. Like, the sport, the sport that she's picked up on so far is baseball. And she loves the Rockies. It's a combination of they're the local team and her favorite color is purple. And they have that cool dinosaur. <laughs> Look, I despised Dinger and then I had a kid. And now it's like, I get it. Yeah. She, when we were at the game a couple of weeks ago, she was part of the Broncos cheerleaders. They did a pregame performance. The high point for her, well, there were two high points. Number one, it was actually getting to go on course field. Yep. Yep. Number two was meeting Dinger. It was meeting Dinger. Yeah. That was... That was it. That was the moment. That was the night for her. And she's like, I'm, I had a great time. But, she, yeah, she does love the Rockies. Like, this, when it was raining she, earlier this week, she took an umbrella to school. Her umbrella is a Rockies umbrella. Nice. Oh, yeah. She, yeah has all, she has all sorts of Rockies gear. She is a Rockies girl. In the end, I'm sure there are many people who listen to this podcast who were born in Southern California, and their parents were Raiders fans, and they were just being <laughs> rebellious. And, like, I don't – once you've become a diehard, I don't judge you for how you got there. It's just – in that moment, I probably would have told you you were wrong. But here you are. <laughs> but here's another thing. If the team has bad ownership, you have every right to abandon your fandom, move on to another team. 
Well, there go all our <laughs> listeners. No, I'm talking about Washington. But I'm, <laughs> no, I am saying like if oh, if no ownership is better than bad if ownership. Ownership is just incompetent. If it insults you as a customer, then you have every right to say screw this and walk away. And so, in the words the of Washington, Dick Moffert, yeah. if product and experience that bad, don't come. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well put. I think put. it was Dick. It, well, it was Dick. One of the moms. And I remember when I was seeing them, like, somebody please take away his iPad for the love of God. <laughs> That's what I'm going to go comment on to all the people uh, who leave us negative reviews on iTunes. <laughs> like, I, that's a, actually something that, that perplexes me. If you listened to this podcast and didn't like it, wouldn't you just stop and then go listen to another one and never think about it again? Some I people are so. trolls. I wouldn't that's waste it. my energy. I... I Definitely, I, I don't think I could ever leave a negative review for anything unless it like unless like someone personally like attacked me, and I was like right. leaving a warning. <laughs> right. Don't you wish you could delete them though? I mean, that the problem is when you see them showing up right there at the top. That's what gets me. That's why you guys have to go in yeah. and leave us positive comments because we know there are thousands and thousands of you who love this podcast. So at least. I assume because you listen to it every day, you love we it. see the data. We know that a lot of people are listening. Right, yes. so. Go, uh, go drown out the haters. And one of them, I remember, commented and said, don't call us haters. No, you're a hater. Um, <laughs> and if you're still listening, why did you leave that comment? Or why are you still listening? Why are you listening? still listening? Some oh, yeah, people listen. hate listen. I don't get that. <laughs> hate listen. <laughs> did you guys ever see uh, Private Parts, the Howard Stern movie? No. no. Okay. There's a scene in there where he gets to New York and the, and, and the program directors are, you know, doing, or the program director is, showing the uh, the ratings and or he's shown the ratings and finds out that people who hate Howard Stern listen for an hour longer a day than people who like him. And Some, he's like, if they hate him, wow. why do they listen? Most popular answer, I want to see what he'll say next. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. They just want to hear what we'll say next. I guess so. Anyways, leave us a, re- a review on iTunes. Subscribe to the DNVR.com. That's how you get your comments read on this podcast and you see all the other work we're doing. We actually work 24 hours a day, not just the two that uh, you listen to on this podcast or one. Uh, But for today, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Thanks for listening to this bonus edition and go help us out in the reviews. We'll talk to you later. It's getting 